Hey, and welcome back to Grace Talks, a Christian's women's podcast that studies the Bible, the women in it, and applies it to our lives today. Today, we're going to be talking about some co-workers in Christ from Romans chapter 16. Stay tuned. In Romans chapter 16, we find a list of 28 people who were all working towards the gospel. 18 men and 10 women. As usual, let's check out our context and then we're going to dive into learning about this awesome group. So the first thing to note is that Paul, one of the apostles, wrote Romans. Paul wasn't a disciple of Jesus and our introduction to him is learning that he was actually persecuting Christians. But then God straight up knocks Paul down and turns him into who we're most familiar with the man who wrote a ton of the books of the New Testament, the spokesperson to the Gentiles, a.k.a. the non-Jews, and the servant who gave his life to the gospel. Romans 16 is the last chapter of Romans, and Paul uses it to send personal greetings to a group of 28 men and women who were living for God and spreading his message. All of the people mentioned here must have been faithful servants, and they were held in high esteem of one of the most influential writers, of the New Testament. That's crazy. Why? Because over a third of the people mentioned were women, and most of them were mentioned by name. A common trope in history and in the Bible is women not being mentioned by name. So it's great to see eight of the ten women mentioned here by name and praised for their work for the kingdom of God. If you're like I was, you might have a passion for sharing God's word, but not sure if that's a possibility for you because you're a female. Well, get pumped, because we're about to meet some role models. So let's read chapter 16. I commend to you our sister Phoebe, a deacon of the church in Sencria. I ask you to receive her in the Lord in a way worthy of his people, and to give her any help she may need from you, for she has been the benefactor of many people, including me. Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my co-workers in Christ Jesus. They risked their lives for me. Not only I, but all the churches of the Gentiles are grateful to them. Greet also the church that meets at their house. Greet my dear friend Apinatus, who was the first convert to Christ in the province of Asia. Greet Mary, who worked very hard for you. Greet Andronicus and Junia, my fellow Jews who have been in prison with me. They are outstanding among the apostles, and they were in Christ before I was. Greet Ampliatus, my dear friend in the Lord. Greet Urbanus, our co-workers in Christ, and my dear friend Stachys. Greet Apelles, whose fidelity to Christ has stood the test. Greet those who belong to the household of Aristobulus. Greet Herodian, my fellow Jew. Greet those who are in the household of Narcissus, who are in the Lord. Greet Tryphena and Tryphosa, those women who work hard in the Lord. Greet my dear friend Persis, another woman who has worked very hard in the Lord. Greet Rufus, chosen in the Lord, and his mother, who has been a mother to me too. Greet Asyncritus, Phlegon, Hermes, Patrobus, Hermas, and the other brothers and sisters with them. Greet Philologus, Julia, Nereus, and his sister, and Olympus, and all the Lord's people who are with them. Greet one another with a holy kiss. All the churches of Christ send greetings. 
I urge you, brothers and sisters, to watch out for those who cause divisions and put obstacles in your way that are contrary to the teachings you have learned. Keep away from them. For such people are not serving our Lord Christ, but their own appetites. By smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the minds of naive people. Everyone has heard about your obedience, so I rejoice because of you, but I want you to be wise about what is good and innocent about what is evil. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus be with you. Timothy, my co-worker, sends his greetings to you, as does Lucius, Jason, and Sosipater, my fellow Jews. I, Tertius, who wrote down this letter, greet you in the Lord. Gaius, whose hospitality I and the whole church here enjoy, sends you his greetings. Now to him who is able to establish you in accordance with my gospel, the message I proclaim about Jesus Christ, in keeping with the revelation of the mystery hidden for long ages past, but now revealed and made known through the prophetic writings by the command of the eternal God, so that all the Gentiles might come to the obedience that comes from faith. To the only wise God be glory forever through Jesus Christ. Amen. Okay, let's start from the top. Who is the first person Paul lists? Phoebe a deacon of the church in Sencria. He says that he commands to you, our sister Phoebe. Commend here means to recommend as worthy of confidence or notice, to mention with praise. Paul also calls her our sister. This language use would encourage others to welcome Phoebe as their own. It shows familiarity, love, and solidarity. Paul also tells us that she is a deacon. So what's a deacon? Well, in this context, the word we translate to deacon is similar to how it's used in Philippians 1 and 1 Timothy 3, where they are described as overseers or elders. This means that Phoebe was in a position of authority in the church. She's not linked to any husband or male relative, which allows her to be seen as an independent person in this passage. Looking at Phoebe as a co-worker in Christ, she was a leader. Up next, we have Priscilla. Priscilla is mentioned along with her husband, Aquila. In some translations, it has her as Prisca, but we'll call her Priscilla. And they're both mentioned here earlier in Acts 18, so let's read that. Acts 18, 1 through 3 says, After this, Paul left Athens and went to Corinth. There he met a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontus, who had recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because Claudius had ordered all the Jews to leave Rome. Paul went to see them, and because he was a tent maker as they were, he stayed and worked with them. Between this and the next thing we're going to read, we're going to learn that after spending some time there in Corinth, Paul's going to sail to Syria, accompanied by Priscilla and Aquila. Paul leaves Priscilla and Aquila in a place called Ephesus, and he moves on to continue teaching. In Acts 18, 24 through 28, this is what it says. Meanwhile, a Jew named Apollos, a native of Alexandria, came to Ephesus. He was a learned man with a thorough knowledge of the scriptures. He had been instructed in the way of the Lord, and he spoke with a great fervor and taught about Jesus accurately, though he knew only the baptism of John. He began to speak boldly in the synagogue. When Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they invited him to their home and explained to him the way of God more adequately. When Apollos wanted to go to Achaia, the brothers and sisters encouraged him and wrote to the disciples there to welcome him. When he arrived, he was a great help to those who by grace had believed, for he vigorously refuted his Jewish opponents in public debate, proving from the scriptures that Jesus was the Messiah. What we gain from this background information is that Paul spent a ton of time with Priscilla and Aquila. 
He trusted them to form a church in Ephesus in their home. We also see that this couple witness a man with a passion for God. They bring him into their home and teach him the gospel and mentor him. Because of their teachings, Apollo goes on to be a fierce and knowledgeable evangelist. Paul calls them his co-workers in Christ Jesus and Romans. Priscilla and Aquila are seen as partners, as a unit that blesses the people around them and builds up the church. How cool would it be to have that kind of relationship, to have that kind of marriage? I don't know about your romantic life, but personally, I'm not sure if I'll ever get married. I do know, though, that I never want to settle for anything less than an Aquila, someone who's going to love people and love God with me. And I never want to be anything less than a Priscilla, someone who opens her arms and her house to the church and anyone in need. Paul also says that they risked their lives for him. They had faith, trust, and courage through God. They were brave. They were brave together. Looking at Priscilla as a co-worker in Christ, she was a courageous and hospitable wife. The next woman mentioned in the list is Mary. There were quite a few Marys in the New Testament, and we can't be sure if she was one of those. In fact, there isn't much known about this Mary at all. Some people suggest that maybe she was an evangelist making known the gospel in the same way that women in organizations like Salvation Army do, sharing the gospel through helping the needy. She wasn't mentioned in correlation with a man like Phoebe. The one definite thing we know about her is that she was a hard worker. Looking at Mary as a co-worker in Christ, she was a caring and diligent worker. Next on the list, Junia. Junia is mentioned along with Adronicus, who was likely her husband or at the least some male relative. They were imprisoned with Paul at some point, and they were believers before Paul was. While it doesn't say what they were in prison for, it's assumed that they were imprisoned for their faith. It might seem unimaginable to not be able to practice your own beliefs nowadays and where you live, but that's something that's still happening. People still die for their beliefs. There are places that still imprison those that call themselves Christians. Junia was one of them thousands of years ago. Looking at Junia as a co-worker in Christ, she was a brave and outstanding Christian of Jewish origin. Next up is Tryphena and Tryphosa. They were likely sisters, and possibly even twins based off of the similarity of their names. Obviously, that's super debatable, and all theory, but I still thought it was interesting. It sounds like the start of a cool historical fiction novel or a movie. The only thing we really know about them is that they're hard workers. Regardless of their relationship, it's cool to think about two women making enough of a difference that Paul recognizes them in this letter. Looking at Tryphena and Tryphosa as co-workers in Christ, they were sisters in Christ. Now we get to Persis. Persis is another woman that is not mentioned in association with a man. Her two identifying traits are that she is a hard worker and that she is a dear friend. In other translations, instead of calling her a dear friend, Paul calls her the beloved. The beloved instead of my beloved suggests that she was beloved by the church she was in, not just by Paul. Looking at Persis as a co-worker in Christ, she was a dear friend. On to Rufus's mother. Paul claims that she had been like a mother to him as well. This means that she extended her motherly influence and care to others besides her own children. You don't have to be a mother to exert that kind of influence and comfort. I mean, every friend group has a mom friend. She's the one who makes sure everyone is okay and safe. The one who always has that Advil when you need it. 
the one who offers you a hug right before you break down, and she's the one that asks if you've drank enough water, put on sunscreen, had enough to eat. It's about asking if your friends are really okay, and being there for people who need it. Looking at Rufus's mother as a co-worker in Christ, she was a loving mother. Last on our list is Julia and Nereus's sister. These ladies are listed along with three men. I like to imagine them as one awesome friend group. The Greek grammar would suggest that Philologus and Julia are a couple, but it's not definitively stated, so we're not sure. Paul links them in with all the Lord's people who are with them, so it doesn't seem like it'd be too far-fetched to consider the group of five as a fellowship, and they were likely leaders in their church. As co-workers in Christ, these guys were role models of fellowship. Following the rest of chapter 16, we see Paul give some advice. He urges them to watch out for the type of people who cause division and place obstacles in people's faith. He warns them that those are the kinds of people that are serving themselves and not the church. False teaching was a big problem back then, and it still can be now. But false teachers are going to cause division by pitting believers against each other with false ideas about the gospel or the church. Paul says that with smooth talk and flattery, they'll deceive the minds of naive people. This is where he stresses to be wise about what is good and innocent about what is evil. So what does it mean to be wise about what is good and innocent about what is evil? It means that we should arm ourselves with the knowledge of truth. If we study the Bible and we pray for discernment, our wisdom over what is good will grow. On the flip side, we shouldn't be involved with what's evil. If we were standing on trial and we pleaded innocence, that would mean that we had nothing to do with the crime we were being charged with. So to be innocent about what is evil means that we have nothing to do with it. Romans 12, 9 says, Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Our goal is to cling to good and to Jesus as best we can. If we're too busy clinging to what's good, we'll have less opportunities to follow the wrong path, and we're going to be a lot better off because of that. So let's go ahead and apply this epic list of people to our lives today so that we can also be co-workers in Christ. Let's be a leader like Phoebe. When you're given the chance to share the gospel, do it. When you're given the chance to pray for others, do it. When you feel called to lead worship or fellowship or, I don't know, something weird like start a podcast, do it. Nike it up out here. Just do it. You don't have to be the perfect person, the loudest person, the most driven person. In fact, it's better that you aren't. All you have to do is be real and be open to letting God use you. And you can be like Phoebe, a benefactor of many people. Let's be courageous and hospitable like Priscilla. You don't have to have a husband to be like her. You just have to be courageous enough to trust that God's got you, that he's going to take care of you. Open up your home to Bible study. Invite people to gatherings when you see them off in the corner by themselves. Or greet that newcomer you see at church. And if you're looking to get hitched, make sure that man is an Aquila. You want someone who encourages you in Christ. Someone who has just as much passion for God as you do. Let's be caring and diligent like Mary. If you remember our talk on Proverbs 31, that ideal woman wasn't one to sit around. She worked her butt off in everything she did. If we want to be like Mary, we need to be smart and work hard. But we also need to be caring enough to use those traits to take care of others. Let's be brave and outstanding like Junia. 
Often we carry fear of being judged when we think about bringing up our faith around people. At least we don't have to be in fear of being thrown in prison or worse. I'll be honest, sometimes I'm still not quick about it, but I'm getting better. If I've said it once, I'll say it a thousand times. Progress over perfection. Get used to talking about God more often with people you're comfortable with first. Take baby steps. No one expects you out of nowhere to start yelling about Jesus on the street corner. Although, I mean, if you feel compelled to do so, be my guest. Just choose confidence. Know where your identity comes from. And watch how quickly the fear fades. Let's be sisters in Christ like Tryphena and Tryphosa. Personally, I'm tired of the world telling me that girls can't get along. Maybe girls of the world can't, but you know who can? Women of God. Women deal with enough problems in this life. Thanks, Eve, right? Why on earth should any of us add to it? Let's build each other up. Let's love one another. And we can glorify God in how we approach one another. Let's be a dear friend like Persis. The world needs more friends. There are far too many people who feel alone out there. Close to 800,000 people die due to suicide globally every year, which is one person every 40 seconds. And that doesn't include all of the attempts that were thankfully unsuccessful. I think this is extra important to point out because it's September, which is Suicide Prevention Month. Check in on people, even the ones that look like they have everything together, even the ones who always have a smile on their face. Don't stop at the courtesy greeting, how are you, good, and you. Be the friend you wanted when you were at your lowest point. Be like Persis. Let's be loving like Rufus's mother. I've already read over 1 Corinthians 13 in episode 1, but that's a good go-to to see if you're being loving. The part where it goes, love is, etc. Replace love with your name. It should look like this. Grace is patient and kind. She does not envy, does not boast, etc. I've already stated that I don't meet all those requirements. Not any of them, perfectly. But if one of them really feels wrong to say, I'd suggest starting on that one. A couple years ago, I realized that grace is patient wasn't something that fit well. I've been working on it ever since, with lots of ups and downs in the process. You don't have to be a mom or the mom friend to love others well. Just reach out and care about people. Let's do fellowship like Julia and Nereus' sister. We should be surrounding ourselves with people like this entire list, right? In our relationships, like Priscilla and Aquila, and in our friendships. Your relationship with God grows exponentially when you aren't alone in your faith. Matthew 18 through 20 says, For where two or three gather in my name, I am there among them. The church wasn't meant to be alone. And I'm not talking about the building you go to occasionally on Sundays and not at all since before COVID took over. The people are the church. We're the building blocks. And Jesus is that cornerstone that holds the foundation together. As often as possible, we should be talking about and celebrating how cool it is that we get to worship a God like ours with our families, our partners, our friends, our mentors, and those we now mentor. But don't forget to include others too. Christians aren't meant to stay in our own little bubble. We're meant to spread out, spread the word, and love everyone. That includes those who are strong in their faith, weak in their faith, and those who have no faith at all. Romans 14.1 says, Accept one whose faith is weak, without quarreling over disputable matters. And Romans 14, 8-10 says, If we live, we live for the Lord, and if we die, we die for the Lord. 
So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. For this very reason, Christ died and returned to life so that he might be the Lord of both the dead and the living. You then, why do you judge your brother or sister? Or why do you treat them with contempt? For we will all stand before God's judgment seat. This basically says that it's not our place to judge our brothers and sisters. It says to stay concerned with yourself and to love and accept others around you. As for those who are not Christians, Romans 12, 21 says, Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Be the influence on your non-Christian friends, not the other way around. And I don't mean shoving your religion down their throats. Not many people have ever been won over to the gospel by being shamed or by having a religion they don't understand constantly rubbed in their face. Be a light and an example. Hold on to joy and hope even when things are going wrong, and your friends will notice. Remember the woman at the well. She brought people to Jesus. She didn't push Jesus into them. I hope that this week gave you something to be excited about and maybe something to work towards. This month, I'm going to really focus on being like Persis, and I hope you'll join me in letting others know that they aren't alone. Well, that's everything I have for you today. Thank you so much for listening. Next week, we're going to be talking about Ruth, one of my favorite women of the Bible. I hope to see you then. If you have any questions about today's episode, the Bible, or anything else, I'd be happy to answer as best as I can. And if you haven't heard it today, God loves you. I love you. You're important. You have worth. And you have a purpose. I'm signing off. Bye.